Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with strength and conditioning coach and owner of ComplementaryTraining.net, Mladen Ivanovic. Hi guys, welcome to episode six of the Pace Performance Podcast. We've got Leiden Jovanovic on the phone today. Um, welcome, Leiden. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, I first came across Leiden via uh, via social media, basically because I kind of like the um, the balance between the practical side and the kind of hard science side. So hopefully, we'll tap into a little bit of both of them sides today, but. If anyone doesn't know who Mladen is, um, do you want to give us a bit of a who are you and your, your background? Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, I want to apologize uh, in front uh, because of my uh, uh, Serbian accent. Oh, no, you're all right. It sounds like a Borat accent. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to apologize no, cool. in advance. Uh, yeah, I'm currently in Belgrade, back in Belgrade. Uh, been two years with Hammarby. IF from Stockholm, Sweden, which is a, a soccer club currently playing second division. Uh, quite renowned club with a, a lot of uh, fan base. Probably the, the biggest club in uh, in Sweden. Uh, in that regard, uh, basically now just working up. You know, using my time. Uh, me and my wife are expecting a baby, and uh, I'm using the time to you know catch up some reading and uh, also. Developing a website uh, in a free time. I work with uh, one pro boxer over here, heavyweight guy, young, twenty-one, mm-hmm. and basically that's it. Uh, I don't know uh, the 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 path to this point uh, is basically you know finishing finishing up college and uh, you know starting out with uh, one professional club over here for a couple of years, two thousand seven. Uh, going back to a bit to a volleyball for a couple of, for a year. Uh, I've been in uh, in Istanbul uh, Fenerbahce for a couple of months mm-hmm. with the men team, also helping up uh, with two of Serbian players. Uh, one one is a Hall of Fame player, uh, Vladimir Grbic, uh, probably the most famous player. Serbian player and probably the famous volleyball player ever, mm-hmm. and uh, I was lucky to to uh, help him a bit during his last last year uh, in Fenerbahce, and then again I, after that I took a chance and uh, uh, went to uh, Mike Ball's strength conditioning in Woburn in uh, Massachusetts, out uh, USA. For uh, one summer, 2010, and uh, after that, come, came back over here in Serbia. Get back to uh, FC Rad, which is uh, again same same uh, football club. At this time, uh, playing first division, and after that, I got a invitation from Greg Belharter, who was uh, uh, you know starting up with the Hammarby, and I took the chance and went over there. So, and I've been there for two years. Uh, finished it up in November 2013 and since then we are back here to in Belgrade. So that's basically the whole story. Very good. So the, the Mike Boyle, uh, was that an, um, an official internship or was that just a visit or what? 
Uh, it was official internship, yeah, for, uh, I think it was three months. Okay. Uh, June, July, and August 2010. Right. So, if anyone doesn't know uh, Mladen, he, you're quite renowned for your Excel geniusry, if that's a word. <laughs> How yes. how did how did all that come about? Was that your was that your undergrad? Was that your degree? No, basically, the funny thing is, I always you know avoided you know using Excel <laughs> until maybe in last three years, right. and then you know you you get you get the problems you you try to solve them, and then you you get new problems you again you know Google it how to try to solve it. <laughs> Uh, you want to visualize things a bit differently, then you got stuck, you again Google it, <laughs> and then, you know, basically just like, you know, bit by bit you, you learn. Uh, I, I wish I, I started, you know, on, on the right leg, sort of speaking, you know, by reading a decent book on Excel, yeah. but I, actually I didn't, so I started, you know, again, Googling, as I stumble on a problem, I Google the solution. So. Google's your best friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Especially, yeah. you know, if you're using Excel. And yeah, there's yeah. some great channels out there on YouTube. Yeah. And again, some great books I really recommend mm. before you, you know, start Googling, uh, you know, certain problems. But eventually, you know, as you, as you stumble on certain problems in your practice, uh, you're going to learn how to use it because you want to solve it. And mm. I think it, you know, basically by learning how to solve problems, uh, that's how you learn the best instead of just reading a book and yeah, not using it. Yeah, of course. Practical application. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So just just moving on to, I mean, I wanted to kind of in, in past podcasts we've kind of gone a bit quite uh, quite general, but I wanted to kind of focus in on a few on a few aspects that kind of you might specialize in um, about conditioning and periodization in in team environments. I know from when I was uh, starting out at Doncaster, that was kind of, you know, you go through your undergrad, you read Bumper, um, and it just doesn't doesn't seem to fit into the kind of traditional team sport environment. So how would how do you kind of periodize your um, your work in working in football? I I think you're pretty pretty right uh, regarding that because um, you know most of the periodization stuff comes from a traditional Olympic sports that has exactly. a pretty long preparation period and a quite short competition period. Mm. They tend to peak for a couple of events, two or three events a year. And, you know, we, we try to put a square peg in a round hole, yeah, exactly. you know, using that approaches with uh, team sports. Mm. But again, it, it's completely different context. Uh, peaking is out of questions in mostly in most uh, team sports, uh, maybe for a finals or playoffs or maybe some some important tournament but most of the time you want to you, you want to maintain stable level of uh, performance mm -hmm. especially because the season is quite long uh, from four months up to eight months uh, a year uh, I mean four months times two yeah, course, yeah. In, uh, in soccer and in Sweden it was one one big period with a, with a short break in the uh, in summer mm -hmm. Uh, in in a recent, you know, I'm just reading a book by uh, Jan Winkel and a lot of co-authors on uh, fitness in soccer. Yeah, yeah, I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. And they actually explain it as this process as a performance stabilization, mm. which is, uh, I think it's com comparing with the traditional periodization in 
by traditional, I mean with traditional Olympic sports, uh, you don't want to peak because when you peak, you, you're gonna. I mean, to peak, you need to taper, and yeah. you're gonna hit the peak, and after peak, there comes a, a valley. So, in it, that's quite quite interesting with uh, traditional Olympic sports because after you're probably gonna have off season, but in team sports, you have a, a long in season, and you wanna be. Uh, not highest, but maybe 80, 90% of, of your maximum performance, but kind of maintain it, uh, you know, nice, stable performance. Mm -hmm. So I quite like the, uh, the term. Yeah. yeah. Performance stabilization. So it's, it's interesting. Uh, when it comes to paradising stuff, uh, I mean, now it's quite popular, the block paradization where you put you know, bigger emphasis on certain mm. aspect of performance, be it, you know, aerobic or uh, strength or power. In team sports, I'm not so sure you can, you can do it. So the thing is you want to, you want to hit most of the, uh, physical performance components. Uh, most of the time, the, the tricky part is, you know, try to minimize the interference between them by uh, structuring the microcycle in a in a decent way mm -hmm. i think that's a quite important aspect mm -hmm. and also i'm not so sure but most of the, the the books out there on periodization they are mostly focusing on uh, physical aspects mm -hmm. and i think that's uh i might say it's wrong with, with team sports because you know we force Team, team sport coaches to think as strength conditioning coaches. And I think that uh, more important is a way to uh, periodize tactics. So now it's quite popular, the term tactical periodization, but I think it's nothing new. Uh, it's about putting a skill, a skill acquisition on top of everything. So I'm not so sure coaches talk much about it. I think it's more important than, you know, talking about periodizing strength training to, you know, anatomic, uh, maximum strength and power. We kind of put the, uh, trying to find the right English, uh, uh, put the horse, be you know, put the car before a horse. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah. I think putting a tactics and, uh, starting with that, starting with the skill acquisition, uh, before, uh, physical aspect, especially in team sports, I think that's more important. Uh -huh. uh, for example, dealing with, you know, some coaches in team sports, they hit certain drill uh, once and they never do it again. So, it, I mean, if you're working, for example, in an offensive transition, the, the tricky part is should you work on it on, you know, for uh, one session and then next session is something completely different or you want to, you know, you want to stick to that tactical aspect for, for some, some weeks for a, a block. Mm. So I think that uh, tactical periodization is uh, more important in in team sports, especially team sports that are more uh, skill skill related or uh, something. You know, comparing uh, soccer to rugby or American football. Mm -hmm. so, so I guess uh, tactical periodization is is next big thing, if I can say it like that. Mm -hmm. So, so when it comes to fitting that conditioning aspect into all this tactical periodization and obviously working your strength and power, how do you kind of get that conditioning aspect in there? How, would it, put it this way, how much, you know, a, a normal week, how would that kind of, if you've got a game on a Saturday, how would that set up to get some conditioning in there um, should you need it, obviously? 
there, there's a lot of, I mean, not a lot, a couple of strategies you can use in terms of uh, microcycle organization. Uh, I guess it's more about logistics than uh, yeah. than biology. Yeah. You know, in terms of how many coaches you have and everything. Uh, I also like to split. Uh, split the team into something I, I like to call a functional groups. Mm-hmm. So the you know the starters are the guys who are traveling. Uh, those are starting eleven. Uh, then we have uh, seven guys as a reserves also traveling with the squad. That's a group two. So they might play a bit and and or they you know they don't. Uh, it's six players plus one goalkeeper, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's the guys who stay. You know, in the in a, at home. So I think we need to juggle those three, uh, especially because they they tend to switch. So sometimes the the starting starting eleven, they couple of them go to a second group, uh, or when they injured, they go to a, the third group. The guys who are staying at home. So mm-hmm. I guess we need to juggle all all three and have a, basically three different programs. Mm-hmm. So uh, go on, sorry, Michael. Yeah, <laughs> when it comes to a weekly structure, for example, you, you play a game, you're away. Uh, let's say that's a Saturday or Sunday. Let's say Saturday. Mm. <clears throat> Some of the coaches like to give a Sunday off. Yeah. Uh, Sunday off, uh, then on Monday, uh, the first session should be a, a, a little bit easier. Uh, probably, you know, something, some active recovery. And then, you know, it's a, it's a basic, uh, loading and then tapering for a next game mm-hmm. and uh, you know we struggle with uh, with that first day after a game should we give them a completely day off or should we uh, gather them up on the training ground and uh, do some active recovery and a meeting and you know you know give some time for our pts to check for uh, injuries mm-hmm. and and i guess there's pros and cons of, of both approaches and uh, I'm actually thinking about putting something on paper, just put my thoughts on paper regarding that mm-hmm. aspect. And here, here's a tri- tricky tricky part. Uh, basically, the, week, the weekly structure is co- comprised of three parts. The first one is uh, basically recovery after a game. So that's a recovery at least two days. Uh, then you have a loading part of the week. And again, tapering for our next next game. So those are those are like mini blocks, uh, basically two one or two days uh, in duration each. So after a game, if he if he got up the guys for uh, you know maybe morning sessions and you know active recovery, uh, foot tennis or or whatever, and then the next day, in this case Monday, is off. But then we ha- then the Tuesday. Is usually the hardest day, and we struggle with it because you know coming off from a from a day off and hitting the hardest day of the week yeah. doesn't seem like a, a the best strategy. Mm-hmm. So I guess immediately giving a guys day off, uh, and then you know coming onto the training ground, uh, doing some active recovery, you know basically easy training, easing into a loading phase of the week. If that makes sense, instead of just hitting them hard after they are. Mm. Uh, I think I, when I, I visited Bayern Munich, uh, when uh, Luis Van Gaal was there, they, I think they had a bit different strategy. They had a, a game, then they have an easy day, and then they have a hardest day. 
I don't know if that so, makes sense. So the hardest day would be on, if you had a game Saturday, the hardest day would be Monday? Something like that. Okay. You know, you know if someone knows the, the right information, please correct me. But yeah. I, I guess it's a bit, they put the hardest training uh, close, uh, you know, cl- back to back, not a day, but a, a bit closer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then I think it's a day off and they have three days to prepare for a game. Mm-hmm. So basically coaches like to have at least three days to prepare for a game. And again, I, I think the the, uh, the players just, you know, get used to it, you know, get used to a certain type of a, of a structure. And I guess it, it again, it comes to a logistic and, uh, you know, how many PTs do you have is, and this sounds funny, but just how the things work in a, in a clubs, for example, if does everyone has a day off when the players have day off? Mm. If, if they don't, I mean, uh, for example, in Sweden, uh, the workers, uh, they have a, a huge, I mean, they have, a good laws, you know, you need to have at least one day off. Mm. They also have, a. A, a players' union. They also demand at least one day off. What this is this? This is staff or the players? Uh, both. I think. Okay. So the players they have their own union, but I mean the 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 staff also can demand one day off. Right. Uh, and now it's a tricky part. Should you give the day off for everyone? Mm. And you know, juggling with all that stuff, I think it it, it it's logistics mm. also. Uh, and on, on the flip side, there's a biology, right? And uh, we wanna uh, we wanna manage the fa- fa- fatigue cycles during the week. Uh, also, give them, uh, you know, try to give them harder session when they are uh, fresh, but also not influencing the next game performance in a in a negative way. So I, I guess I mean juggling with with three phases in a week, uh, juggling with. Uh, Three different groups of the players again: starters, uh, reserves, and uh, the guys who are not traveling. And also juggling with logistics and the best biological uh, design of the microcycle. Mm. So all those three or four—I don't know how many I I numbered—they're uh, mm. all different in every in every club, every cult. So mm. I don't think there's an optimal solution. No, I mean just going back to the working week for your staff. I mean, I think you should uh, that that uh, day off one, one day off per week. You should tell the physios that I've worked with because they were doing three weeks of that day off. They should bring that union over here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, just when it comes to um, I know you've gone on about your periodization, but how would you um, or do you individualize it, um, player to player, position to position, or is it you know you kind of you kind of get it in when you can. Uh, well, basically, yeah, I like to quote Carlo Buzzichelli, who is a uh, Tudor Bompa Institute uh, uh, president of Italy. He he said that you know intensity is uh, basically uh, related to the athletic characteristics, and the volume is related to the position. Right. If that makes sense, I yeah. think it's a it's a great quote because in one of the clubs we had a goalkeeper who had higher maximum aerobic speed than uh, central defender. Right. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, that can happen. Uh, so I guess when it comes to uh, HIT, uh, high intensity training, conditioning, I like to use players' uh, mass. 
Okay. If that makes sense. And basically, if you play a small sided game uh, or, or medium sided game, in, the, in this case, six to six to eight to eight, uh, the players will will start to get their to, to their own, uh, you know, the tactical positions. Mm. So they they got that kind of a uh, position specific training from you know doing a soccer training. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm. So I always try to cover the bases with with general stuff. Mm. So if if you do running, most of them run the same, but in terms of volume and uh, prescription, but the velocity is based on their own. Uh, of course. Uh, yeah, performance. If that makes sense, and I think that's also one of the. Uh, struggles of the coaches, you know, sh- should they base the the training on uh, position positional demands or individual characteristics? Mm. So is it is it the thirty fifth game that you use, or I know you've into developing your own um, MAS system. Is that is that something you use, or do you stick to the thirty fifteen, Martin Boucher? Uh, uh, we stick to we use thirty fifteen, especially for uh, shorter intervals, okay. uh, something like up, up to thirty seconds. Okay. Uh, we also did a uh, 1600-meter uh, uh, time trial okay. for something that's longer, a bit one minute, two minutes, up to three minutes, mm-hmm. uh, those types of intervals. We haven't done them a lot, but uh, I think, uh, I like, again, I like the quote from uh, Martin Boucher, uh, you know, testing should be training-specific, not not sport-specific. If you plan doing shorter intervals, your, your test should be... Uh, um, again, representing that type of work. Yeah. So shorter intervals, shorter rest. And if you plan doing longer stuff, especially individualizing longer stuff like one minute intervals, then I guess you should you should do a test that's a bit longer, like sixteen hundred time trial or mm-hmm. or a beep test. Mm-hmm. So did you? I mean, I saw on your website you you looked into developing your kind of own system. Is that still in its uh, production? It's still in a beta phase. I mean, I okay. uh, haven't used it much. Okay. Uh, I might try a bit. The, the, the problem with, uh, with 3015 is that uh, the smallest word file change, in this case, the smallest, the smallest word file improvement in a test is 0.5. And that's, a, that's basically diff- the difference between the levels. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're testing a lot of players, sometimes you, you miss someone or someone's a, a, a cheating a bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you miss them or, or you, you let them go, uh, you know, if, if that makes sense, mm. uh, if you're not strict, especially if a lot of uh, stuff is, you know, involved in the test, uh, precise instructions should be, should, be set, should be set in advance. Mm. Especially, you know, when do we, when do we stop the level? So if, if they start a new level, but they a bit uh, die out, should they proceed on the next one or not, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And in 3.15, you know, smallest profile improvement is one level. So if you if you screw something up, they immediately get a worthwhile improvement, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it takes a lot of time. It takes maybe 20 minutes for, uh, you know, the most conditioned conditioned guys, you know, because it starts around eight. I think we started it around ten or twelve. Mm. We just fast forward it, <laughs> and you know, it takes some time for them to you know reach their uh, maximum. So I wanted to to make something that's a bit shorter, 
if that makes sense, and also avoid that uh, problem with uh, with stages. So I wanted to repeat one stage at least for two or three times, right. if that makes sense. Because yeah. if you make an error, if you make something, then you are, you know, the worthwhile improvement is still not, I mean, you're not giving them more points or, uh, you know, taking away uh, meaningful uh, improvement, meaningful change. Mm. No, I understand. Right. So just, just moving on a little bit um, with regards to repeat, repeated sprint ability. It's something that's come up in what I'm doing at university. I just wanted to get your opinion on kind of training for that kind of, uh, that repeated sprint ability. Yeah, I think in this interview I'm going to give you more questions than concrete answers. No, that's how it goes, isn't it? That's how it goes, mate. Don't worry. I mean, I don't, I don't have everything sorted no, out. No, of course, yeah, yeah. Trying to sort things out. And, <laughs> and repeat sprint is something that, that I've been struggling with the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the game, uh, the, the newest uh, analysis of a game, they show that repeat sprint sequence, and that's... Uh, I think they define it as a sprint uh, uh, with uh, a, a maximum of uh, 20 or 30 seconds rest. So basically you get one or two sequence, sequences like that in a game, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So repeat sprints are not that often in a game, if, if that makes sense. Mm. But on the flip side uh, is the frequency of something that's showing you uh, importance of, of that quality in a game mm. because you know I guess for the, if you get one shot and you score a goal and you can say ah they have only one shot <laughs> yeah but that shot is is uh, you know it's meaningful so I, I'm not so sure we should we should use frequency as something relating to importance of, yes. of, of some quality because those uh, sequence repeat sequences could be of of really high importance in a game. Mm. So I'm interested in something that's called uh, worst case analysis. Uh, instead of just using averages and uh, frequencies to, you know, impose a meaning to a certain uh, uh, pattern, if that makes sense. Mm. So even if uh, repeat sprints are not that important in a game, uh, in terms of frequency, they, they might be, you know, uh, quite important in certain situations. Mm. So. I guess we need to prepare our, our players for our worst case scenarios, not average scenarios, yeah, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, I understand. And when it comes to training repeat sprints, uh, that's also tricky, uh, tricky part. Uh, I I kind of take a, a position of uh, Martin Boucher where you want to train for a one, one quality sprint, so you want to do a quality sprint training. And you also, you want to increase your... Uh, intermittent endurance. So if you increase your maximum aerobic speed and uh, maximum sprinting speed, your repeat sprint, your, your repeat sprint will, will increase. And once you have those two in, in place, if that makes sense, then you can do more specific training, you know, aiming uh, repeat sprints with, with uh, short rest, if that makes sense. So, so again, it's about prioritizing things a bit and, you know, putting uh, basic stuff before we hit the specifics. So you'd, you'd, you'd focus on two separate qualities to kind of, to, to hit that repeated sprint ability quality. Kind of funneling, it yeah, makes yeah. sense, the funnel. Yeah. Uh, it's like a, it's a term from, uh, uh, can't remember where I got the term, uh, from endurance sports. Mm. 
kind of hitting the the import, important things uh, like you know maximum speed how 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 fast is your best sprint and you know your aerobic qualities so if you fix those two the repeat sprint will improve i mean i don't i don't have uh, i don't have my own data to to back this back this up but i think martin Boucher wrote a lot of papers about it mm. i mean it's the thing is just you know don't don't overuse repeat sprint training mm. you should you should save it for a couple of times mm-hmm. or certain blocks so you know just it, it's retarded to use it if, if the players are basically slow mm-hmm. if that makes sense so uh, and also how do you quantify repeat sprint quality we used to uh, we have a couple of metrics to to uh, quantify repeat sprints. Uh, one of them is uh, total sprint time. Basically, if you have six sprints, uh, you sum all the all the individual sprints and you get the total uh, total time. And the another uh, one one of the other options is to uh, calculate the uh, percent of uh, decrement. Or am I saying it right? Yeah, that's right. That's right, mate. Yeah. So you want to, for example, one the simplest way is to compare the fastest and the slowest sprint, mm-hmm. and then you know see how uh, how how do they differ in terms of percentage. Mm-hmm. And for example, if you have a slow player who keeps all the sprints pretty much the same, then the uh, decrement per, uh, decrement percentage will be zero, mm-hmm. and you can say, oh, he has a great repeat sprints. But he's slow. But he's slow. <laughs> so I I think. Uh, we should use uh, total sprint time. So, for example, if you have a, a sprinter who first sprint is awesome and then a bit slower and slower and slower, his total time could be could be a lot better than uh, than the slow guy's time. But his uh, uh, decrement percentage could be you know twenty thirty percent, and then you can say, oh, you know, this guy is is very bad at repeat sprints. Mm. So again, it comes. Also, it comes back how to how we uh, quantify things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just going back to what we discussed before, just while I've I've, I've forgot before because I was going to mention it, I went to a um, a championship club this uh, last couple of weeks, and going back onto the periodization, they played it, and I think this is something that more people are using. Uh, played on a Saturday, day off on Sunday, day off on Monday, kind of. Medium intensity two day. Days on, off. Yeah, two days off. Medium intensity day on a Tuesday and the high intensity day on a Wednesday, and then kind of tapering again for the match on the Saturday. Is that something that you've kind of come across before? Or put in a, you thought about putting uh, the mix? No, we never we never give them two days off okay. unless it's like um, we have a very dense period before beforehand. Right. Okay. If that makes sense. So you can give them. Two, you know, three days off yeah. just to, you know, chill out a bit more mentally than physically. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also strategy. For example, in rugby, they give it, they give a day off two days before a game. Mm. I'm not, I mean, I don't have a first-hand experience, but I saw some of the plans uh, in season plans. They have a game and uh, basically day off and the recovery, and then I think two trainings, then day off, then training, then game. Mm. I don't know if I if I did seven or eight days now, but I think uh, in soccer 
usually the, the managers or the head coaches they like to have a team for a couple of days mm. for example three days before a game yeah. but also on the flip side some of them say uh you know coming to a training ground three or four days uh in a row before a game might be a mental burden for yeah. some. yeah 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 so, so again they want to break break it a bit because they get you know kind of in a i can't say the right word uh you know, having a lot of days coming every day, every day, every day before a game might be a mental burden for, yeah, for some players. And we need to keep in mind that that's, that's going to happen for four or more months. Mm. So they like to have two or three days before a game to prepare a strategy for a game, mm. but not much more. Yeah. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've kept you for nearly thirty-five minutes, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um, keep going. And, and I know you're a busy guy, but um, just give us a bit of a an overview of your website, uh, complimentarytraining.net. What does I know you offer? Obviously, uh, free things on social media and kind of help with the Excel geniusry. Um, <laughs> but uh, can you tell us a bit more about your website? So basically, the idea is you know creating a community of uh, high performance coaches willing to share. Uh, I don't know how's that going to work, but that's basically the the mission. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it works around uh, uh, two types of membership. One is a yearly, and one is monthly membership. Mm -hmm. And basically now, as we have them, there are two excellent products. One for uh, planning a year annual planner, and also visualizing all the metrics. Mm -hmm. And the another uh, product is. Uh, uh, strength card builder, which is uh, Excel template used for uh, strength conditioning coaches to make basically printouts for uh, uh, for for players when it comes to strength training. So those are two I, I sell with the website. But the the whole idea is you know being a member, and you know by being a member you get those for free and all the updates you get for free. And I I look forward to to a feedback from the user so I can basically improve the improve the products. Mm -hmm. So I, I basically want to make coaches life easier. So instead of worrying about making the Excel templates, you, you get something that's working and that was being tested in the field. Basically all those templates I, I tried and I used uh, last two years with, you know, with Hammerby mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, improve them over time because <clears throat> here how, how it started. So I had those two couple of templates and I said, okay, I, now when I have time, I want to, I kind of, I want to prepare for a next, next job, if that makes sense. So I want to fix all the templates that I plan using. So my life will be easier. Yeah. And then I said, okay, let's, let's try to sell those. And it was a great, uh, uh reaction from, from my readers. Uh, couple of national teams use it. Uh, you know, some institutes also use it, and I guess it's. Uh, the, I I think they're great products if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, I think the membership is what we are up to. You know, creating a community where people share, and I can use that feedback to you know to improve the the products. Mm -hmm. No, that's good. That sounds. I mean, I looked at the. I think you released one that was was it last year's uh, strength card builder. Did you? Yeah, yeah, that's the first version. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now this one is a lot improved with a couple of uh, different tabs. Yeah. And by tabs, I mean uh, 
one time for a group group session when you have a lot of uh, a lot of players in the gym doing the same workout. Yeah. Uh, for example, doing a you know squat, lunges, you know pull ups, mm -hmm. bench press, but individualizing their weights based on their one reps. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And couple of new tabs where you have two sessions a week, three sessions, four and six sessions a week. That's more kind of individualized mm -hmm. uh, for one player for uh, four weeks. Mm -hmm. And I put around 200 exercises in, inside uh, and also around 100 set and rep schemes. Right. So everything is a kind of already pre-built so you can just, you know, point and click and uh, get a decent workout quickly. Mm -hmm. It looks nice as well. Everyone looked. Thanks. Everyone I, I, stole, I stole the design from. Uh, I need to give him some credit uh, from Joe Ken. Right. Of a tier system. Yeah, everyone loves a nice looking Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I mean, you 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 take from someone as I said, bit by bit, and you create your own system. Yeah, of course. Right. Well, I, I won't keep any longer. But um, where can if people want to get you on Twitter? What's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? It's uh, physical, you know, the downline underscore uh, prep, yeah, like yeah. physical prep. Yeah, cool. So if anyone gets uh, wants to get in touch with you, um, your email address is on the uh, on the website, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the website, and it's a uh, complimentary training at gmail .com. That's the one I use, uh, you know, especially after the website is up and running. Perfect. Right. Well. Uh, I'll wrap it up there. So thank you very much, Mladen, and I will. Um, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Rob, and thanks for having me. Uh, hopefully, I'm not, you know, <laughs> we got a lot of questions on uh, on the listeners, and I, I hope I gave them some some food for thought, and I hope so some answers. Yeah, we did, we did, mate, and we got past the Serbian accent as well. So thanks a lot, Rob. All right, thanks, mate.